listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. So please do us a favour, listen in on your favourite podcast platform, hit like and subscribe, leave a comment and don't forget to tell your mates about us. On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. Welcome back to On the Road, episode 55. Coming your way this week, Mike hosts an enlightening roundtable discussion with Adam and Kelly from NTI on the art of saying no. As always, we've got the latest from the On the Road newsroom. And later in the show, I share my thoughts on how hard it can be to dig deep enough to find real facts and truth in today's COVID world. We've got all the regular stuff, plus great toe-tapping and thought-provoking music from 10cc and Pink Floyd. We've got a feeling you're really going to enjoy this one, so let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address is BigRigRadio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Here's a song that takes us back to the 1970s, but given the events of this past week, it has an eerie relevance to the Australia we're living in today. It's 10cc with rubber bullets.
Sergeant Baker started talking with a bullhorn in his hand. He was cool, he was clear, he was always in command. He said, blood will flow. Here, Padre, Padre, you talk to your boys. Trust in me. got Adam Gibson, who's the Transport and Logistics Risk Engineer with NTI, my old mate. We're here to spar again, and we're joined today by Kelly McClucky. Now, Kelly works in the culture and change management area in NTI, and she's going to try and help Adam and I understand a few points about the fine art of saying no. Sometimes you've just got to say no. Adam and I both agree that we could make this industry a lot safer if we worked on some of the personal relationships and got people talking to each other. So Kelly's going to help us out with a bit of understanding on that. This is all part of the sponsored segments that we're doing with NTI. Very proud to be in partnership with NTI and working on this because I really believe we've got a long way to go. Adam, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. Really glad to be here. One thing I will say is, as a degree qualified engineer, I am absolutely the last person to be talking about people and relationships. I'm really glad to have Kelly along for the chat. <laughs> Mate, some of the stories you've told me off air about things that you've designed, it's a good job we've got Kelly to keep you in line, I think. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say, a really great intro there, Mike, really keen to explore how we can empower people in trucking to be better at saying no. Yeah. But I'd love to have a bit of chat first around why in transport we tend to say yes. I'm exceptionally proud of the Australian trucking industry because we get the job done. We have the most efficient and arguably the safest trucking industry in the world. That doesn't change that it's one of the most dangerous occupations in Australia. And we keep the shelves full of food and toilet paper. We get the iron ore and the coal out to the docks and the diesel on the out going the other way. So we have a whole industry of people whose focus is on being able to say yes to their employer, to their customers, to the rest of the economy. Mm. And so it's pretty natural that we're looking for ways to be able to get a job done rather than looking for reasons to say that it can't. 
And that's not just an industry, and it's a national culture, you know, of people that get stuff done and are used to dealing without a lot of resources and just make it happen. Truck drivers are a group generally of self-starters, generally people that spend a lot of time working alone. They go out and they do the job and sometimes get caught in situations where the goalposts get moved. And I really do think that that's part of the way you have people that can overcome problems as they encounter them. The more experience you get, the better you get at it. And unfortunately, I think some employers don't appreciate exactly the pressure some people are under sometimes. And when they feel as though they're getting out of their depth, that's when they're starting to get into trouble and they really do need to be able to communicate that to the boss without creating the bad feeling. I think sometimes we're seen as if you do say no, you've got an attitude problem or something like that, Kelly. I think one of the things you just touched on, Mike, that's really interesting is also the drivers have got that first-hand knowledge of what's happening on the road or with the customers or with the job. I guess that also makes a bit of an issue where you might be saying, no, it's based on evidence and experience and you're actually seeing what's happening out there, as opposed to the role of a leader or manager Mm. who maybe doesn't have that same level of experience and knowledge. And sometimes that saying no is based on fact rather than maybe on judgment or bigger picture. Yeah, well, I've written about it and I've said it a thousand times. We're all motivated by different things. And I mean, the manager is motivated by generating profit for his business. He's motivated by trying to do things, colour within the lines, so to speak, because it's getting harder and harder to colour outside the lines these days. So he's trying to do things right and trying to get his workers to do things right. And when a driver starts throwing hurdles in his way because he's not happy with the way things are or the way things are being done or what he's been asked to do, it's pretty hard to generate some real friction in that space. Makes it hard for people sometimes if they don't have the right level of communication skills or trust or experience or enough runs on the board to be effective in the communication. There's one what you made there around the pressure coming down from above onto the truckies. I was having a really great chat with a personal friend of mine on uh, Monday morning who runs a medium-sized fleet predominantly on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And what he said is he had a realisation halfway through his now 45 years working in trucking as a manager. Yeah. In the early days, he thought his job was to be the conduit that heard the concern and the pressure from the customer Mm. and passed it along to the driver Mm. to make them realise the urgency of the job Mm. and that he had that realisation midlife that actually his job was exactly the reverse, that his job was to be the insulation to separate the driver from that pressure coming down from the customer. I wonder, I have a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach that the proportion of managers out there that have that understanding of their role is going to be really small. Oh, I agree. Wouldn't it be nice if they flip it and reverse it and actually their job is to take back those insights and that knowledge and experience from the driver back to the customer about actually the way to do this job efficiently is to implement these changes? Wouldn't that be a nice mindset shift? There's actually some really great work and I don't want to have to go and get his permission to call him out. But one transport manager inside of a large consignor, when he came into the role and he was the fourth person in that job in under three years, which says a lot, Mm. the first thing he did was run a seven-month campaign out to his customers, reminding them that their drivers were human beings and needed to be treated as such. And it's both really wonderful that he did that work, but also pretty horrifying that he felt that it was necessary. There's a lot that we get wrong, mate. I think if we start off with talking about how people get it wrong, 
from me as a driver, just having the driver's hat on at the moment, you're a long-distance driver, you spend your time sitting in the cab, and the local drivers have got their own issues as well. But we don't have facilities in the truck. We don't have anywhere we can have a wash or a bathroom. And you go to the customer site, and particularly I've discovered with the COVID issues that we've had to deal with, people are getting paranoid. You know, I went to a customer site up in Newcastle, and I needed to go to the bathroom. And I was told that I couldn't go because of the risk from infections and things like that. And I did lose my temper a little bit. And I said, well, if you can't let me go in there, I'm going to have to go to the roadhouse to go. And I rang my boss up and had a big whine about it. And he basically told them if I couldn't go there, that the load would be taken back to Sydney. Now, he stood up for me and eventually we sorted the problem out. But it's these sort of treatment with basic human needs that we have And I think that's one way that drivers get the raw end of the stick. They're not being treated as human sometimes, particularly when other people are trying to cover their bum, for the want of a better description. Mike, I think you said something really relevant to this just before about people being motivated by different things. Mm. When we hear no, often as humans, it creates quite an emotional reaction, particularly when it's something so personal and potentially urgent as, you know, can't use the bathroom, right? Yeah. But wonder if you would have got a different reaction from that person who was saying no if you said, okay, well, can you talk me through what your concerns are? What could I do <laughs> to allow you to let me use these facilities? What safety measures could I take that would make you feel comfortable? But it's hard in the moment, right, because we get upset, we get frustrated. But just putting myself in the shoes of the other person for a minute, yeah. what were they worried about? What were they thinking about? And sometimes that can be a really good way if we come up against a no, right? Yeah, well, look, I've got to tell you, Kelly, I'd really like to think that I could take a level-out approach to that sort of a problem. But unfortunately, like a lot of blokes, particularly being treated in that way from a customer, it's a red rag. It really is. Mm. And I've had hundreds of conversations with guys, and I've related that story to several of my close friends. And they said, well, if they said that to me, mate, I'd just go and do it on the wheel and let them whinge about that and bar you from the site. Mm. The problem, I think, is that we're all individuals and there's a lot of strong personalities in the transport industry, as I'm sure you're well aware. Yep. That might be the understatement of the day. Might be three of them on this call, yep. There probably would be. We're all from different environments. Truck drivers are often very willing to stand up for what they perceive to be their rights, Mm. and they're also very willing to hold on to what they perceive to be their rights, and they're very dismissive of anyone that stands in the way of that or they see as slighted them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think that's only reasonable and fair that we expect to be treated as humans and fairly and be given a good go of it. Mm. I'm actually going to potentially slight a lot of truck drivers with the next thing I'm going to say. Mm. Building on that, where there's something that's sitting in the back of their mind, burning away, they've got a lot of time to sit there and think about it and for it to grow as an issue. Mm. And I think that's part of why particularly feedback to managers from drivers, to their manager, tends to be explosive Mm. is because the driver has run that scenario in their head over and over again every five minutes for the last 12 hours. And then so when they actually get to have the conversation, they've already lost this argument 105 (laughs) times. They've won at 40 and they've had to go out for a judge's decision on another 10. So by the time they come to actually deliver it, it tends to be overly passionate and overly emotional Mm. because they feel that they've been fighting this battle nonstop for the entire shift. I've done it, mate. 
I have done exactly that. I come up with some of my worst ideas while I'm driving. <laughs> Classic example, when a bit of new technology was introduced in my truck, I had that conversation 10 times with myself before I ever decided to speak about it. And when I did speak about it, I was so angry about it, I was almost apoplectic. And truck drivers do that. We get plenty of time to stew, and unfortunately, the boss is not even aware of it, you know? Any advice, Kelly, on how to manage that? Look, I think it almost makes me think of advice that I'm giving to my teenage kids, you know? (laughs) They're ruled a little bit by their emotions. Try to think it through from all the different angles. Go back to what is it you want to achieve out of the discussion you're having. If it's getting a fair go or getting access to facilities or whatever it might be. Mm what might be all the different arguments and all the different ways to approach the problem and then how do you break it down put your point across simply and understand where the other person is coming from i think it's as best you can taking the emotion out of it taking a deep breath thinking it through that's one of the advantages drivers do have whilst they might stew on it they also have a chance to calm down think it through rationally Mm. think through right how am i going to best get this point across that it might actually work Well, I think the most important thing a driver can do if he's starting to lose it is just say, mate, you just go and have a sort yourself out for five minutes. I'm going to go and sit in the cab and have a drink and have a think about what's going on and we'll just leave it there for right now and just don't have the fight right then. Mm. The one really good way to also unpick a situation like that, Mike, is ask a question. Yep. Like so often we're so ready to go into battle and no just makes us feel really defensive. A good way of buying yourself some time and totally disarming the other person is ask them some questions. That really seems to diffuse things quite well. I was a very hot-headed teenager. I wanted to fight everyone and the whole world all at once. (laughs) And one of my teachers, when I went to go and yell at him at something, I can't remember what it was, it doesn't matter picked me up by my neck and held me against the wall with my feet a foot off the ground. And he said, Adam, don't be a something hole. Nobody likes something holes. What's your problem and what do you want me to do about it? And the advice he gave to me in the discussion that followed, and I, I still remember it would be a quarter of a century later, was very close to what Kelly was just saying. Yeah. Start by saying how it made you feel. And then ask the question of the person of what they think we should do about it. And that's it. That was the only two things. He said, do those two things and then stop and breathe. I got told I couldn't use the bathrooms on this site. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like I was not even a human being. Mm -hmm. How do you think we should address that would be the example to yours there, Mike. And one thing I will say on that scenario Mm. is it's highly likely that the person who's telling you that you can't use the bathrooms is absolutely powerless to change that rule. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's for the other piece of advice there is understand that the person you're talking to is likely not at the top of the pecking order and are you better off escalating elsewhere, going and saying back, you know, as you did, going back to your manager because yeah. the person your manager is likely talking to is going to know who made that rule and be in a position to influence it. Yeah, well, ultimately, that's what happened in my circumstance, yeah. It didn't make me feel any better, though. Mike, we've talked about, you know, when you hear no, but what about it's also pretty difficult for drivers to say no in some of these circumstances too, right? Yeah, it is. There's a lot of pressure on you sometimes. Let's face it, driving and keeping your job is all about the value you provide for your business, the business you work for. 
there's more to driving a truck than actually just sitting behind the wheel and steering the thing safely down the road. You've got to be a customer liaison officer. You've got to be a coordinator sometimes. You've got to be a load restraint specialist. There's a whole raft of things that you have to know. And unfortunately, the customer relations part is probably as much important from your company's point of view as the driving part. You've got to be able to get on with the people you work with and you've got to be able to solve the little issues and deal with the forklift driver that bangs into the side of your brand new trailer without choking him and gets a little bit hard. And if you create too many problems, and you know this going in, if you create too many problems, your life expectancy in the job won't be long. Mm. And that's one of the problems that you face. So it's one of the reasons why you sort of bottle things up too. You don't want to be seen as a whinger. You don't want to be seen as a problem. You don't want to be seen as someone with an attitude issue. What you want to be seen as is a good worker that gets the job done. So you hide the problems or hold them in. You don't say no when you should. You say yes sometimes when you shouldn't. And trying to manage all that, that's the problem. Just that bit right there. And I think, you know, as an example, owner drivers particularly, yeah, I have a lot of empathy for the power imbalance that they have, you know. For them saying no is really difficult when, you know, they might be the main breadwinner, they're the person that's keeping the truck on the road and they are the only person. There's no backup. There's no one else, right? No, that's right. And if they fall over or that contract falls over, someone else is going to step in quick as you like to take it away. Mm. So that power imbalance makes it really hard for them to say no. You know, let's say they're in an unsafe situation, whatever it might be. Mm. The problem with that is, having been an owner driver, I can say with certainty, you know, you end up going out. I can tell you a story about a job I got in Adelaide. I, I was running a flat top trailer at the time and I was going to pick this machine up and I'd been given the job by a loading agent in Adelaide and I drove probably 150 kilometres to where this machine was and I got there and the dimensions of the thing were not what I was told. It weighed a lot more than I was told. And when I looked at it, it, there was just large patches of rusted panels and beams and it was not going to make the trip to Melbourne in one piece. I could see that before I even loaded it. I ended up not doing that load. I ended up not getting paid for the wasted time. And that's what happens sometimes. I do know that the guy that went and picked it up and it was a complete nightmare. It ended up costing him money to do the job. That's the sort of trouble that you get into as an owner-driver and you've got, you're the one with the skin in the game. It's your truck. You probably got the mortgage on the house. What proportion of all transport businesses started off with the equity in the home financing yeah. it? It's, yeah. it's got to be north of three quarters at least. Yeah. And you've got the wife and the kids at home who are depending on you to make the money. Sometimes you get in the position where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And you do, as Kelly said, you've got no backup. If you hurt yourself. Damage your truck. Damage your truck. Things go pear-shaped, you get stuck in a bloody accident, you lose the job that you were going to get, you know, it just it just snowballs. The mental torture that you endure sometimes, and believe me, it is torture, and the mental gymnastics you've got to try and do to basically keep your shit together, it's amazing that I don't understand why some blokes do it these days, I really don't. The, you know, the compliance issues... It's just a complete headache. Adam was telling me a story today about the efficiencies of doing the job and not pushing it with haste. Mm. And then the one time, you know, for the risk of the one time it goes wrong yeah. and you don't make it. Mm. I did some production engineering work for a large building supplies business. We did a bunch of analysis of all of their work and they had a bunch of programs to try to incentivize their teams to up production quantities. Yeah. And without fail, every time they tried something, 
something would go wrong, there'd be either an accident or a breakage or something else, but, you know, there'd be quality control issues. And every single time that they tried to ramp up their production speed, it actually effectively dropped more product for a day and a half. And then the machinery would be sitting there broken for a week. Yeah. And I think that has some pretty strong parallels to transport. You've got to make that call on the job. If there's no job you'll walk away from, then there's no price you won't take. There's no risk you won't take. Mm. And the most important thing for those owner drivers with the house and the kids is to get back to it. That's right. And I think that point about the no price you won't take, Adam, is really interesting, right? Because sometimes if we actually work out what a job's costing us Mm. versus what we're getting paid to do it, we should be saying no. You know, drivers should be saying no, particularly owner drivers or subbies, should be saying no more often because it's actually not profitable for them anyway. That's a problem though, Kelly, because there are a lot of guys in the industry, from my experience, that don't know what it costs them to do the job and that's a problem. That is a problem. Yeah. Just going back to an observation you made earlier, Mike, Mm. around talking back to your managers, saying no upwards essentially. Yep. You said that desire to be seen as part of the, not a whinger. Yeah. that you then tend to bottle it up. Yep. Is there a strategy here around regular, call it neutral feedback? And I'm looking to Kello for advice here. Can we go and say, look, try at least once a week to go and see whoever your direct manager is and say, hey, of those last four jobs, geez, this one was great. They were a pleasure to work with. But just so you know, I had some real issues with this one and this one. Yep. So that it starts to normalize that discussion. Adam. Often with feedback, we're waiting for our boss to come and talk to us. Here's all the stuff I've kept bottled up, but there is nothing stopping us being proactive because at the end of the day, you're helping your boss do their job better. You're actually making them look good. You're feeding them the information they need with the customers, how they're managing the other jobs on on the card. So absolutely going in and giving them that proactive feedback. Mm. But also it starts to build the trust because that's a big thing, right? If you're going to say no to someone, if they trust you, they're more likely to hear it and they're more likely to give you the time of day to actually be able to explain, hey, I'm saying no for these reasons. I think there's too much risk. So that trust is critical. 100% correct. We'll be back right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. The company where I'm working now up here in the Pilbara do this really, really well. It's actually one of the things that's impressed me. They have a toolbox meeting where the drivers are expected to attend. Before I started work on Monday at 5am, there was a toolbox meeting for the guys that are on the little job I'm doing. 
We all had a chat about what was going on on the job, things that had changed, a bit of a chat about how things are going and what your weekend was like, all that sort of interpersonal stuff. And it gives you a chance to relate to your workmates on a level that you don't normally relate to. And it gives you a chance to be in the room with the boss, with guys who may have experienced the same issues with you on the job. So you can share that information one-on-one and have a chance to explain it. So I think these toolbox meetings and newsletters and things like that are a great way to foment that relationship, get the conversation started and be safer. Mike, I 100% agree. I've worked in the transport logistics sector for 20 years now. The number of transport operators that say to me, oh, we can't run toolboxes, we can't get our guys together, it's impossible, you know, but hmm. split shifts and, you know, 24-hour operation, et cetera. But there's so many different ways you can create those opportunities to get together. Why don't you run two toolboxes? Why don't you run three toolboxes? You know, run it at the change of the shift. So awesome to hear a story where the boss got out there on the yard at five o'clock in the morning with the guys and sat down and said, right, let's have a chat because now's the time that's convenient for you as opposed to maybe more leisurely office hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a great way to see things that's going on. I honestly think a newsletter we can do that. Yeah, there's so many ways that you can do this sort of thing these days. You know, you can email, you, you can SMS it, you can Instagram it, you can WhatsApp it, you can text message it, you can podcast it. You know, there's so many ways. Like in little videos, you know, the boss posting a little video on your Facebook group yeah. or a WhatsApp group. Mm. You know, hey guys, this is how we're going this month. Mm. You know, we'll travel this many Ks as a business. Oh, congratulations to Bob, who's, you know, just had a new grandkid, whatever it might be. Yeah. Just magic, right? Yeah. You've got to build the interpersonal relationships. That's actually my favorite video pieces. My, my advice is if you are a senior manager in a, in a transport business, and you haven't got a medium to get little short videos out to your people, you are missing out and you are losing good people because of it. No more than two and a half minutes, preferably 60 seconds if it'd be the preference. Yeah, create a Facebook group, create a WhatsApp group. doesn't matter. Ask your drivers what app they prefer. If you have to make them both, make them both and push the video to both of them. It's just such an opportunity to get communication happening inside of transport. And that makes the art of saying no so much easier because they've got a sense of what your beliefs and your priorities are as a senior manager inside the business, which gives confidence to the drivers that if they say, hey, no, I wasn't putting my truck underneath that crane. Mm. I've never seen so much rust in my life that you're going to back them. I think coming back to what Mike said about the toolboxes, whatever medium of communication you use, the most important thing is it's two-way. And that's the great thing about starting out and face-to-face, you know, walking the yard or for the drivers popping into the office and having a chat to the boss. It's about building that personal relationship so that you do have the confidence to, yes, you know each other, you understand each other's pressures or priorities, but you also have the confidence because you know them to be able to say no. Well, that's right. Favourite example here is so Kelly's day job here at NTI is working with transport businesses to improve the culture inside of those companies. And we had one customer where they had spent a, I'd say a small fortune, but it really wasn't. It was a large fortune on tablets with job management, sign-on glass. Everything was meant to be happening on the tablets. Mm. They'd rolled it out into every truck. 
And the directors, the senior managers, the owners of the business had no idea that, in fact, only two of perhaps 60 plus of their drivers were actually using it. Mm. The other 58 were still filling in the old paper forms and the office staff were transcribing it across <laughs> into the computer system because there was no communication throughout the business. And this issue was yeah. being buried and hidden. If you like, this is the art of not saying no in this <laughs> example, you know, because they were passively, yeah. they're just not using the new tech. No one was actually confident enough to say to the boss, no, yeah. it's not fit for purpose. And what it boiled down to more than anything else is the mounts they'd stuck the tablets on in the truck were too flimsy and it vibrated so much that you could neither read it nor accurately press the quite small buttons to interact with it. And these are big, tough, bonded American-style prime movers. You've driven plenty of them, Mike. You know that there's a fair oh, yeah. bit of vibration up through the cab. Yeah. All they needed to do was change the mounting and the problem went away. But without that communication, there wasn't the rapport, the trust, the, the two-way communication between the drivers and the rest of the business to say, we can't use these, these are rubbish. Yeah. And do you know in this example, Mike, what we did to fix it? Because we actually got a few of the drivers and a couple of the managers in the room yeah. and we facilitated the conversation for them. But we actually got them asking each other questions and having a conversation about the problem and digging into the why it was an issue. Yeah. That was all it took to start to see each other's point of view, to understand what the problem was. And it was such a simple fix. Yeah. As Adam said, they saved themselves a small fortune for this tech that wasn't working. Mm. Well, just the administrative load of transcribing what must have been 120 pages a day yeah. of information across into their computer systems, mm -hmm. that little bit of conversation, a little bit of vulnerability, a bit from both sides, the drivers have got to be willing to put themselves out there a bit uh, and understand that they might get told to go jump, <laughs> but the managers need to acknowledge that they got it wrong, yeah. that the tech they rolled out was actually unusable. Yeah. Do you know in 100% of the cases of the businesses I work with, Mike, the boss wants more feedback? They really, really do. No. And yet, I guess time isn't on our side. The drivers haven't got a lot of time to be there with the boss, giving that feedback at the beginning or at the end of the shift or whatever. But I promise you, they are looking for it. Yeah. Can I make this a challenge to your listeners, Mike? Everyone who's, who's listening to this, whether you're trundling down the Hume or you're stuck in traffic on Parramatta Road, for the next three months... If you use some sort of calendar, yep. like even a Google calendar, that's where my wife tells me where I need to be every day, at least once every month for the next three months, have a chat with your boss or your direct manager and just update them on some stuff. Whether you think it's important or not, that, geez, the truck's been running well since that last service. Oh, I hate that new depot that whoever's just built. It's really hard to get into. Oh, have you seen those new trailers that whoever down the road just bought? Whatever that little chat is... And just create that communication and see if in three months' time that both of you are happier in the workplace. I've got the genuine belief that it doesn't take too much to work on the interpersonal part of the relationship. You've just got to make the effort. Sometimes you've got to pick your time. You know, if the boss is having a bad day, things have gone sideways and someone's tipped a pallet of bloody grog on the ground or something like that in the warehouse, he's probably not going to be too interested in talking to you about you know, what you had for tea at the roadhouse last night. But if you pick your time, you can have some good communication without too much trouble. And I think really how to do it well and uh, the anatomy of a good conversation is something that we could all work on and learn, I think, if we think about it. On that note, it's probably worth calling out. So this little chat today is part of a broader program of work we're doing called the Business of Safety. Yeah. 
Why I feel that's worth mentioning is we are also going to be going out to both frontline managers inside of transport businesses and also the owners of transport businesses and telling them that they need to be better about facilitating the discussion from their side. So please please don't feel that we're laying it all at the driver's feet. Yep. As I said earlier, at yep. times our drivers can be their own worst enemy because they do stew on things in the truck and by the time they, they get out, they get out with their head on fire. I've never done that, mate. Never done it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I believe that. But if people are interested, jump onto our website. We've got a, a section called the Better Business Hub that has a lot of these materials in there, including those resources we're making for your managers and owners of the transport business. Hey, if the boss needs to hear it, maybe just print one of them off and leave it on his desk <laughs> or fire an email saying, oh, I just came across this great website that other people could read. You know, see if you can if you can lead the horse to water. I can't promise that it'll drink, but you've got to give it a shot, right? You do. So do we have any examples or anything we want to work our way through before we wrap up? Yeah, probably a, a good idea. So I'm going to pick one that's a, a crowd favourite. Okay. I need you, Mike, to get from City A to City B by 9am tomorrow. I don't care about your hours. We need to get this done. The client's furious. It's going to be late. Awesome. <laughs> have you had that sort of pit from a manager before? Oh, I've had that conversation more than once, mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're alone on that island, unfortunately, in Australian trucking. No. How, in your experience, does it unfold in Australia at the moment? Or how has it historically unfolded that? What happens next? Oh, well, what typically happens is that it depends on your level of experience and how much you want to keep your job, I suppose. I've said no. And I've pointed out to them that we really would be in a great deal of trouble if it goes sideways. And some guys will then say, well, just let's hope it doesn't go sideways. I've had the conversation with people where I've said, so how do you want me maimed? Do you want me to put it right on its side, right on its roof? Do I roll it right over? Do I run it off a bank? Just let me know where exactly you want the truck, apart from on its wheels in a parking bay, so I can get it right, okay? And they look at you and their eyes just like dinner plates, you know, and sometimes they realise that this is serious. I'll have to talk to our claims team, Mike, who are the best in yeah. the business, might I say. I'll throw in a little plug for them there. I, I, I'm really reliant on them for my other research work, so I love them dearly. Yeah. But I don't think you're able to book an insurance claim in advance. I think that's frowned upon. Yeah, I think it might well be. But what typically happens these days, there are people that are going to succumb to the pressure and they're going to go ahead and do it or try to do it. There are some older dogs like me that just tell the boss, mate, you're dreaming. And the earliest I'll be there is X time. And if you've got a boss that is a realist and a pragmatist, he will take your side. To be honest, I think it's going more that way these days. A lot more bosses are aware, particularly since chain of responsibility became an issue, that you can't just wave them goodbye and hope the driver doesn't poke it into the scenery, you know? So, Kelly, put it to you, what could we do to try to manage that situation? Part of the position that the boss is likely in is a bit of pressure from the customer at the other end. Oh, no doubt. Yep. And Mike, you said yourself, the drivers are the customer service reps. They've got the experience of dealing with the customers and mm. and often the relationships with the customer at the other end as well. Mm. So a big part of it could be helping the manager to actually manage the customer and their expectations and the risk to them if they did push ahead with that timeline. Yep. I'll be able to get as far as Tarkata by the end of my work hours. I'll ring the customer when I pull up in there. I'll ring you and you can let the customer know where I am. Mm. And we'll give them the best updates. All the way along. All the way along. We'll give them so yeah. they'll know exactly where it's going to be there and they can manage their downstream issues. 
but we both know, we all know, that it's not possible to get it there and it's not worth the risks, particularly, as you said today, with chain responsibility exposure to push our luck and try and get it there in one leg. Yeah, so from my point of view, if I actually know where I'm going at the other end and I do have a relationship with them at the other end, it's handy to sometimes pick the phone up yourself and talk to the guy down there and say, mate, do you realise it's this time and we're not even loaded yet or whatever and let them know what's going on. Good communication across the chain sometimes is a little bit hard to achieve. I think you've really got to tell the boss the truth and say, listen, this is what the situation is on the ground and maybe remind them that it is up to them to smooth the way and let the customer know what's going on so they can deal with their problems, you know. There's a saying that a failure to plan on your part does not represent an emergency on my part. (laughs) That's a gross oversimplification, but if you're being asked to do the impossible, instead work out how best to put a shine on the possible. Well, you know, you go out and just strap those big jet engines on, mate, and we'll get it done. (laughs) Is now the time to slip in a little subtle reference to Aerocat? Why not, mate? Why not? (laughs) Perth, I'll be there in an hour. On a side issue, do you know that there's someone who's done a big Photoshop job on a V8 Scania and put Kerswell's trailer on the back of it and made it look like Aerocat? Have you seen that? I have not. I will be straight to social media as soon as this wraps up. I've got to see this. (laughs) It's out there. It'd be a great promo truck, to be honest. It'd get attention... A good friend is deeply involved with the Newcastle Truck Show coming up, uh, don't hold me on the date, I think October. And yeah, how awesome would it be to see an Aerocat tribute truck roll in there? (laughs) Tell you what, you pay for it, mate, and I'll get it built and drive it and it'll be fun. Yeah, I've got some friends at Scania. I'll make the pitch. I'll see how we go. I I wouldn't be holding your breath, though. I won't lie. I'm a shameless fan of anything with a V8 under the bottom. Whether it's an old Mac or a new Scania, you've got to love them. Nothing like the sound of an E9 at full noise, mate. Have we got another example do you want to work through or are we done? I was just going to give one more tip, Mike, and you've made the point before about level of experience. You know, Hmm. saying no or hearing no can often get easier when you've got that bit of experience under your belt and you've been around and you've seen some stuff. Yeah. Don't forget that you are part of a team. Like you said about that toolbox before, the benefit of leaning on the other drivers in the team and gaining from their experience and, hey, how have you approached this situation or How does the boss like to do things around here? Don't forget to lean on each other and get advice or support from each other as well. Yeah. You know, one of the things that has sort of gone a little bit missing, but I think is really great, and that's mentorship. Yeah. I would say if you're just listening to this and you're a young bloke and you're just starting to walk the walk. Or a young lady. (laughs) Or a young... (laughs) Fair call, fair call. If you're a young driver, a young heavy vehicle operator, and you're just sort of starting to get some experience Find someone who's got more experience in the industry that you like and respect and you can have a conversation with and go and have some conversations with them and learn from their experience. If you're an older driver, please feel free, I would say, to give the younger drivers a hand and share your experience with them. And if you see them sort of maybe going the wrong way a little bit, try and sort of gently guide them back to what's sort of sensible. And if you've got the relationship with your boss, try and help him too or her. As a mother of teenage boys, Mm. another piece of advice on that mentoring thing, Mike, Mm. you can always start out with some questions or, you know, how's it going and how do you find (laughs) this situation or how do you approach that? That can work just as well with mentoring younger drivers as well. You're 100% correct. Of course, the question I've got for you, Kelly, is your fridge ever full with teenagers? (laughs) Never, never. (laughs) 
Unbelievable. I'll tell you what, it's been great to catch up with you guys. I say guys advisedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, lovely to have you on the show, Kelly. I really like your point of view as, as opposed to Adam sometimes because Adam reckons he's always right. <laughs> he's always right until we tell him that he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> It's been really, really good to have you on the show and it's been really good to have your input on something that's really very important. Hey, thanks so much for having us, Mike. Absolute pleasure to be part of your series. Lovely. Thanks very much. Uh, Fantastic, Mike. You have a great afternoon. You too, mate. Thanks. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility, which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. When they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. News time again, Mike. News time again, mate. Let's get stuck right into it. We haven't got much time today. We've spent too much time waffling with the other crowd. It was good waffle, though. I enjoyed it. It's always a bit interesting when you get Adam on the phone, I can tell you. Oh, yeah. Listen, we said we weren't going to talk about COVID or anything like that, but I just wanted to share this. These lockdowns, Mm. they're really starting to affect people badly. Yes. The other day, it was bucketing down rain, and I found my wife looking all sad and miserable and just staring through the window. (laughs) I felt so sorry for her, I decided I'd better let her in. (laughs) Oh, geez, and there was I thinking it might have been, she's actually listened to an episode of the show and heard what you've been saying. (laughs) 
Uh, she'd have been standing there with a gun if that was the case. <laughs> All right, mate, we will kick right in. The Sydney-based freight company who were involved in an incident in April that resulted in the tragic deaths of four Victorian police officers have been hit with a chain of responsibility charges against their owner and managing director, their national operations manager and their state manager. Yep, the foo-foo has definitely hit the fan here for them mm. and they're going to be held to account. Now, company owner, managing director, national operations manager, state manager, as you say, have all been charged with Category 1 and 2 offences under the chain of responsibility provisions in the National Heavy Vehicle Law. These are the most serious offences that are available under the Heavy Vehicle National Law. Mm. Category 1 offences carry a maximum penalty of 300000 or five years imprisonment for an individual and $3 million for a corporation. Category 2 mm. are 150 for an individual and $1.5 million for a corporation. Yep. Now, this is going to go to court at the end of September, at Parramatta Local Court, so we can see that this is going to drag on for a little while, I think. There's been an 18-month investigation. 18 months ago that happened. It's hard to believe, isn't it? It was that long ago. It is. The Task Force Paragon, which was established to investigate the Eastern Freeway incident in which Connect Logistics driver Mohinder Singh hit and tragically killed the four police officers on the freeway there. Mm. His boss, Simeona Tatiru, is also facing 70 charges in relation to the fatal crash. <laughs> the most serious of those are the four counts of manslaughter by criminal negligence. Now... These charges have all been laid after the discovery of the multiple critical breaches in the company's operation. And as the story on the Big Rigs page closes out, this is a tragedy, a sobering reminder of the consequences that can occur when there's a failure to ensure safe transport activities. It's not the dark old days anymore. No. People are going to be held to account now. I think it's about time that if you're still trying to colour outside the lines and get your guys to do the wrong thing. You know, you just can't turn a blind eye anymore. Mm. Times have changed and we really do need to be looking seriously at what we're doing and, and stopping practices because these guys are going to pay the price big time. Indeed they are. All right, mate, we spoke last week of the pay talks underway between Star Trek and their workers and it seems they've reached a stalemate yep. and the workers, still angry about the lack of job security guarantees, have moved to hold a 24-hour strike this week. Yep. Well, so for those that don't know, Star Trek is actually owned by Australia Post, mm. but they are. Was that Star Trek or Star Trek? Star, Star Trek. <laughs> I'll tell you what, some of the stories that I've heard, mate, it could well be Star Trek. Boldly <laughs> go where no man has gone before, let me tell you. True enough. Michael Caine, look, I'm agreeing with Michael again, said that Star Trek is deliberate. Star Trek. <laughs> uh, you got me. Yeah, Star Trek has deliberately and repeatedly created unreasonable delays to resolve the job security concerns of its workforce. Mm. That's their modus operandi. They don't function to take grey issues and turn them into black and white issues. Mm. They employ lawyers and people to keep the issues grey. Take my word for it. I know a few people that work for Star Trek and for Australia Post, and I can tell you now, mate, from some of the inside knowledge that I have, I know for a fact that there are vacancies in their EBA, there are provisions for casual workers to be used, Mm. but there are time limits set on their use and how long they can be used for. So... When someone retires, they replace them with a casual worker who comes in from a labour hire agency yep. and they pay them and use them as you know, as they do. But those full-time positions are supposed to be filled and they're not being filled and they haven't been filled for some time. And I can tell you stories about this that go back years where these positions haven't been filled. This is what they do. Hmm. The union guys are finally over it and they've said that Star Trek have to sort these things out. And I'm a little bit surprised that Australia Post isn't in this as well because, as I say, there are glaring instances on all sides. So the Star Trek Enterprise bargaining agreements, which were originally noted 
our negotiation. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you said the Star Trek Enterprise. Did I say the Star <laughs> The Star Trek Enterprise Agreement? <laughs> the Star Trek Enterprise Agreement. Sorry. Yep. You're going to have a great time with this in editing, aren't you? You can leave it all in, mate. <laughs> oh, God, I give up. Short story of it is Star Trek's going on strike. That's the way it looks. It put some last-ditch emergency negotiations in place. Grab your popcorn. Watch this space. Mm. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. You've got me, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Meanwhile in Victoria, highway patrol units from Geelong and Colac mm. ran Operation Duel on September 15, targeting truck roadworthiness on the Prince's Highway, mm. finding major defects in three of the 55 trucks they pulled over, with a number of others being hit with infringement notices for minor defects. Yeah, three really is three too many. Mm. A cracked wheel, I suppose. The ones they've grounded are ones that are of serious defects that are in imminent danger of having a problem on the road. Look, we all know that there are trucks running around. Every every truck you climb in, even a new one, will have a defect somewhere. You know, there'll be you know a light not working properly or, or something like that. Mm. This is obviously something more. We really shouldn't have trucks running around the road with crack wheels. There are a certain amount of excuses, maybe, but you know, I can't think of a good one. No. Unroadworthy and dangerous trucks pose an enormous threat to the safety of all road users, not only the drivers that are driving them, everyone. So mm. and the police are determined to stop them in their tracks. Can't blame them. They were pleased to see so few trucks grounded. I mean, I'd be, I'm disappointed that there were three grounded. I'm not surprised a few tickets handed out and, and all the rest of it, but I'm surprised that three got grounded out of 55, but just, you know, one maybe. You know what I mean? Mm. Anyway, moving right along, get your trucks sorted out, guys. It's not that hard. Indeed. Now, we spoke a couple of weeks ago with Road Freight New South Wales CEO Simon O'Hara about some of the issues truckies are facing on the road. Well, in a sternly worded rebuke to freight customers who aren't giving drivers the respect they deserve, Simon said, Simon says that the basic needs of some drivers aren't being met and we question these decisions of management that infringe on basic human rights. This is something that we've been discussing for the best part of two years now. Mm. The whole time this COVID thing's been going on, the knee-jerk overreactions of people have just been completely over the top. Yep. We're coming up to some hard dates now in September where drivers are going to be required to have a mandatory jab to cross borders. There are a whole raft of opinions about this. I'm well and truly on the record, as are you. Some companies are accepting this and some companies aren't. Mm. But to tell a driver when he's there delivering your freight to just go ahead and use the bushes, that's completely unacceptable to me. Mm. You know, there's been suggestions that that blokes drop their trailers and go around the block with the semi and use the facilities at a servo. Why should the servo take the responsibility from the company that's receiving the freight? Yep. I don't get that. It's the same as, you know, putting people on casual so you can fire them when you're ready. This arm's length relationship that people seem to enjoy getting these days, it just does my head in. Yep. We've got ever-increasing numbers of vaccinated employees. There are a lot of people now that are 100% vaccinated. Whether you agree with it or not, that's the choice that they've made. Mm. They are entitled to be treated. We're all entitled to be treated like human beings, but they have done everything they possibly can to comply. Mm. They're still being held to ridiculous rules by the mandates, they're not going back to life as normal. None of the promises have been kept, and that's a fact. 
You don't have to be a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist to open your damn eyes and look at what's going on. Simon's identified an issue here with the people not allowing drivers to use toilets. I wouldn't tolerate it. No. I don't value any job enough to be abused. Mm. I really don't. Mm. In fact, I've quit jobs for less. We don't get paid well enough, a lot of us. We end up spending our time sitting in queues waiting to load at distribution centres and you know, rooting around doing work for free. It's been an issue for years, and this is the difference that I do have with Michael Caine. Yep. The union have done nothing about it. Where is the union on this? Yeah. Where is anyone on this? I know where Glenn Stirl stands on this. He stands right beside me. Yep. You know, I know where some of the other employers and employer groups stand on this. They stand right beside me. We're hearing nothing from the ATA about this. We're hearing nothing from anyone else about this. Simon O'Hara is onto this. He is completely right about it, and I back him 100%. I wouldn't tolerate it. He wouldn't tolerate it. You wouldn't tolerate it. Why should the drivers tolerate it? Bloody ridiculous. Absolutely. If it was me, I'd be on the phone to wherever I was going to be taking the load to, and I'd be ringing them up, and I'd be asking them if I could use their facilities when I got there. If they said no, their freight would stay sitting on the ground at the pickup point. Black ban the bastards. That's what I'd be doing. Yeah. With our growing number of female truckies these days, I'd love to hear their response to being told to go use a bush. Yeah. Well, Rose and I used to do Sydney to Perth. We did it for three and a half years. Mm. You know, we had a, a K200 big cab. I put a chemical toilet in there so that Rose could use it so she didn't have to suffer this sort of embarrassment. Mm. Why should anyone suffer it? To me, it's just, it's just completely wrong. And the fact that they get away with it really worries me. As I say, we're coming up to some hard dates in September yep. when people are stupidly saying that they have a jab to cross the border. There are going to be enough issues with that. Now, as I've said over and over and over, I'm not the only one saying this. The freight task is not getting any smaller. It's going to get harder and harder and harder to get drivers behind the wheel. Yep. And uh, I'm going to be having a talk to someone over the next couple of days for a show down the track in the very near future about driver recruiting and retention and training in the current environment. Mm. And he's not happy. Mm. And he runs a big company. Yeah. And it's going to be an issue. It is. And we need to wake up to it. I should stop now. I'm about to blow a valve. Well, it is an issue, mate, and it is an ongoing one, and it will be interesting to see what's going to be happening in the very near future on so many levels, you know, with yeah. what's been going on in Melbourne in the last couple of days with the tradies and so on. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are starting to get very angry and that would otherwise perhaps just normally sit there and complain that are actually starting to stand up and, and let their voices be heard. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, and good, I say. Well... As we record this, it's on the back of what I saw on television yesterday, mm. uh, the protests in Melbourne and guys walking up over the Westgate. Now, I don't uh, in any way support violent protest. I really don't. I don't think anyone does, mate. Tearing mirrors off police cars and smashing windows and stuff, the media are always going to show that. Anytime there's a protest, the media are going to get stuck into showing the bad stuff that happens. Mm. But then you had that old lady, 74 years old. Yep. Pushed over by a police officer, pushed down. Did you see her head hit the asphalt? Yep. There's a potential serious head injury right there. And then two of them. Yeah, standing there spraying her with pepper spray. With pepper spray. Yep. I mean, where are we as a country yep. when this can happen? And then the police have got the nerve to try to crowdfund legal action so they don't have to have a mandatory jab. Yep. Here's a tip don't act like thugs. Don't stand in the way of the protesters. That's it. The biggest issue of the lot, mate, is that as you watch your way through social media, which everyone does as much as yeah. the, they watch mainstream media these days, it just depends on who puts up what I've seen video footage that show peaceful people of all ages protesting and doing the right thing. 
Yep. I've seen selected video from other areas of people that are causing problem. Yep. Those on the left are claiming they're far right extremists in there that are causing the trouble. Oh, of course they Those are. Those that lean a little bit towards the right are saying, well, these are left wing extremists that are put in there as a plant to cause trouble. Hmm. It all comes down into the end of what can you believe, what's the truth? And I'm I'm actually going to have a little bit of a spray about that in something to talk about later on because I'm right. well and truly over this manipulation of truth and fact. Yep, it's gone too far. There are too many questions now. There are too many hard limits, lines in the sand being drawn. Yep. The transport industry, we've done our level best to try and comply with all this stuff. We really have. And we get industry associations like Road Freight for New South Wales who are advocating to have the jab position. And that's what you'd expect. I, I advocate the driver's rights, occupational health and safety chain of responsibility position. Hmm. That is, we deserve to be treated fairly like human beings and have reasonable access to resources. We don't want gold-plated bidets in every rest area. That's not what we want, not what we need. Hmm. But what we need is the opportunity to do what we do and act like civilised human beings, not dogs mm. being sent to piss in the bush. Mm. And if someone said that to me, I would just drive out of the joint. And if the boss wanted to fire me for that, good on him. Well, even dogs, at least they leave a bowl of water out for them. Well, that's right. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, Sorry, mate. I've, lo I've, I've just lost it this morning. I'm no, that's, that's all right. Perfectly understood it. And I think you're indicative of the attitude of... Just about 99.99% of Australians were all over it, well and truly. The police, if they, if they want to help the country, what they should do is just say, all right, we're not going to enforce these mandates. They don't enforce uh, traffic offences when it suits them if they want to get their point across to the government for their pay rise or whatever. Mm. You know, we've all heard them do that in the past. Mm. We just won't write any tickets. That seems to get a message. Yep. Stand aside. Let the marchers march without fear of being locked up. Don't start any fights. Stand there without your capsicum spray. Mm. Make sure no one breaks any windows. But let the people show the government by having a vote with their feet and show the government it's time to stop. Yep. This is enough. We want our country back. We want our lives back. Yep. All right, buddy. Well, we'll pull the pin there because it's, um, it's a long show this week. Yep. A couple of quick thoughts for the week before we go. When you tell someone that you take a nap during the day, it makes you sound old. That's why I refer to them as horizontal life pauses. <laughs> oh, gee, I need that laugh. Good yeah. on you. And the second one for the week and the last one, life can be so fickle, one day you're the best thing since sliced bread, the next day you're toast. <laughs> so very, very, very true. It isn't it what? All right, buddy, you have a good one. We'll talk with you soon, yeah? Take care of yourself, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Biggles here. I listen to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you.
Something to talk about this week, I wanted to have a little look at the concept of what we call truth. Bodie Sanders once said, People always find lies more exciting and thrilling than the truth. Lies are like a virus that spreads easily around and contaminates the truth, making it impossible for people to separate actual facts from malicious rumours. Well, that quote is quite old, but the message has probably never been more relevant than it is in our world today, where we're bombarded by facts regarding this pandemic, and there are inverted commas around the word facts there. Day after day, we're being updated with statistics, opinions and mandates by governments, media, science, giant pharmaceuticals and every Johnny on the street with their own take on what's really going on, with the disclaimer of, this is my truth. Well, let's start with that. There is no my truth or your truth. Truth is truth. Anything else is just someone's opinion based on their beliefs and a lot of the time their political leaning. Sadly, in a lot of cases, the basis of their truth is founded on commercial grounds as well. Our society has taken on the adversarial method as used by our governing bodies. One side states their truth, the other side is obligated to oppose it in any and every way possible. It's not a new thing, we've always taken sides, be it Ford versus Holden, Labor versus Liberal, my sporting team versus the rest, Aussies are notoriously quick to take a side. So let's bring that into the present day and all the divisive crap we're dealing with regarding this COVID pandemic. This is not about politics, football or your favourite brand of car. It's way bigger than that. This is about people's lives, their jobs, their families, everything that's so important to all of us. Any day you venture onto social media, there's a plethora of arguments presented as truth and fact that are poles apart, yet each are convinced that their truth is the only real truth and if you disagree, you're just plain wrong. Initially, it was quite entertaining reading through these little verbal battles, you know, grab your popcorn, settle back and enjoy the show. But it's gone way past that now. It's gotten real ugly, and we've become a completely divided nation that's turning on itself. It's gone from respectful discussion to outright war in a reasonably short space of time. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, and for every statistic given that claims to prove the efficiency of the current selection of available vaccines, there's an equally believable wealth of information that would suggest that in reality, it's quite the opposite. The scientists and leaders in the medical profession have divided themselves on what they believe the truth is every bit as much as the rest of us are. In this day and age, truth has become a fluid thing. It's apparently acceptable nowadays to manipulate the truth to suit your own agenda if you believe that the lies you tell will ultimately benefit mankind or, more importantly, line your pocket. So how do we discern what is real and what is not? Where do we go to find real statistics, real truth, recorded and presented to us in complete honesty and transparency? Well, I'm sorry, but I don't have the short and simple answer to that. If you know where and how to find the truth, please share the secret with the rest of us. We'd all very much appreciate it. In the meantime, all I can say is be true to yourself. Don't be afraid to look beyond the headlines to find the truth. Stand up for what you believe in. Don't allow people to force things onto you that you don't want or trust. Oh, and one last thing. When I watch the media, be it mainstream or social media, and I see lines of our police officers armed to the teeth, shooting at and pepper-spraying unarmed citizens who've lost their jobs, their freedoms, and are frustrated and driven to the point of wanting and needing their voices to be heard, it makes me want to cry. 
This is not the Australia, the so-called lucky country that I grew up in, and the nation that our forefathers fought with their lives to keep free and proud. Stay safe, friends. Once upon a time in this wonderful country we call home, we knew our voice would be heard and our hopes and beliefs respected and honoured. Now it seems we're all just another brick in the wall. Here's Pink Floyd's classic to close out the show this week. That's our show for this week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... Do whatever you like with it, mate. Andy says... Where do I start? And our guest says... So the best way to do that is try and put the cool head. Until we catch up with you again next week, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. <laughs>